0: Welcome to Blast Beats and Bicycles, the Bicycle Hour here at WMCN McAllister College Radio ninety one point seven in Saint Paul, Minnesota. I'm here with Rick Fuentes. Rick, how you doing?
1: I'm great. How are you?
0: I'm having a blast as it were. Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> okay. It's sort of required by the description of the show. <laughs> That's true, actually. You,
1: you do have to have a blast. I'm I'm over here still waiting for craft services to bring in our uh, our delectables. And You know, your tour manager
0: never said anything about feeding you, so I don't know. You're going to have to take it up with him.
1: I was told there were going to be mussels and a gorgeous cream sauce.
0: <laughs> we'll see what we can do. Uh, So as we do every week, we start off with a little news from the NSC Velodrome. Uh, Racing was canceled last night as a result of rain that came through yesterday. Uh, So no racing news, but we do have some really exciting news. Uh, Peter Moore, junior racer from uh, the NSC Velodrome, was selected to the U.S. Junior World Championships team on the track uh, based on his successful results at Junior Nationals. Uh, He won two gold medals. At Junior Nationals and will be representing the U.S. in the scratch race, probably the Madison uh, and potentially the team pursuit as well. So uh, congratulations to Peter. Uh, Another McAllister connection. His dad is actually a professor here at Mac. So, uh, yeah, Yeah. small, uh, small world type stuff. So anyway, congratulations to Peter. Uh, He's going to be going to Switzerland later this summer to represent uh, the U.S., Uh, Dan Casper also had a great uh, effort out at uh, Masters National Championships this past week. Uh, He collected a bunch more hardware for himself, including in an individual pursuit uh, and a team pursuit and the Scratch Race uh, uh, National Championship as well. Uh, And then there are three other riders, Mark Lepke, Jason Goldberg, and Pat Whelan, all got hardware as well from uh, National Championships this week. So uh, lots of exciting results uh, from around the country. Uh, on the velodrome
1: and by the way i'm taking partial credit for that goldberg medal because i think he's riding a wheel that i sold him wow <laughs> yeah nice i think he's right if he's riding that head carbon <laughs> three spoke then i get like a little sliver of that trophy there Jason, you go listening
0: <laughs> all right we'll make sure we uh we get get you guys connected on that one uh we've got some uh events coming up here in the twin cities to tonight starting at four o'clock and going to 11 o'clock is the first Aquatennial Thunderdome presented by Fulton Brewery. Um, it's going to be kind of a fun downtown criterium uh, taking place uh, around the Fulton Tap Room. There are going to be four geared races, and we're going to have our first ever Minnesota State Fixed Gear Criterium Championships. Oh boy! <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it'll be uh, it'll be a party on two wheels down there. Uh, I've got lots of people who are coming in who've raced, uh, big, uh, fixed gear criteriums over around the country. Actually, uh, Tiana Johnson, uh, Lila, uh, Gerton, Nicole Mertz, a bunch of people who've done a, a, number of the fixed gear criteriums around the country, uh, are going to be on display tonight. So it should be some fun racing. They've got a crazy eight, uh, course. So they're going to be doing a double loop on this thing. It's going to be a very interesting thing. And if you've never seen a fixed gear criterium, it's definitely worth uh, checking out. Uh, Spills, thrills, and chills, I think, are the way to call it. It can only be more fun if they do it in the dark. (laughs) Well, it's going to be going until 11 o'clock, so some of it will be in the dark. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Then on Sunday, we have the state championship uh, road criterium, uh, the Southside Sprint, part of the Big Waters Classic taking place in South Minneapolis at 48th in Chicago. Uh registration on that event looks really good so far. Uh, and the weather's going to be perfect. It's going to be like 82 degrees and no wind. So it's going to be a great day for bike racing. Um if you've got kids, uh there's going to be a free kids fun race. Uh, and everybody wins a medal in that in that event, so that's always a good time and then there's going to be lots of good food uh and beverages to be had. Uh Town Hall Tap is one of our sponsors. And uh, brand new to the neighborhood, in fact, they are uh, setting to open here very soon, is El Burrito Mercado. And uh, all of our volunteers will be uh, getting lunch from El Burrito Merc- Mercado. Uh, so that's going to be a special treat, sneak peek at some of the food. And they're also going to be roasting elotes, or uh, Mexican street corn, on the street right by the, so- uh, the start-finish line. So I
1: love El Burrito Mercado. Fabulous!
0: Yeah, it's going to be really fun to have them in Minneapolis. You know, I've mm-hmm. gone over to over the river a number of times mm-hmm. to have lunch and dinner there, but uh, having them three blocks from my house is going to be
1: great. It's going to be dangerous, in fact. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you better get on your bike. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And what time oh. is that kids race?
0: Two <laughs> thirty yeah. is when the kids race okay. starts, and we are also going to have um, uh, kids art projects. Kids are going to be making spoke cards for their for their uh, bikes. And uh, there'll be face painting. So the Create Everyday Classroom is going to be there. And Artrageous Adventures is also going to be on hand, helping kids uh, have a ton of fun. So come early. Uh, There'll be some great racing. The kids race is right after our elite women's race uh, and right before our elite men's race. So the biggest races of the day are kind of all three together uh, on that event. So come out on Sunday. If you need more information, you can find that at bigwatersclassic.com. All right, so Rick, uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about epic rides you've done a bunch of epic group rides um in in your cycling career let's call it you've ridden stages stage courses of the tour de france mm-hmm. you've ridden rag a bunch of times mm-hmm. tell us what makes a good group epic ride
1: um you know i think what makes something like truly memorable where you look back and go well oh, that was epic and like really really mean it i honestly i think it's the suffering <laughs> i mean i think you really like you have to hurt at some point and and not a little in order for it to be an epic ride and not necessarily because it was too so long uh it could be because just the course was hard it could just be where you went uh it could be because of you know obstacles in the way mechanicals whatever you made it back on one gear Mm -hmm. um you know so okay so you threw out france okay so one time uh when i was in france Uh, We were on an off day, and our tour guide was French and offered to take us to a friend of his who owned a a winery somewhere in Provence. I couldn't tell you where. Um, But anyway, so we rode there, and then after we sampled some wine—okay, that's part of the uh, (laughs) story—said, well, I know a shortcut back. We'll take that. Right. Well, that turned into this cobbled gravel road for like 25 (laughs) miles— where literally the the dust was coming off the, our wheels so much I couldn't literally could not see who was in front of me. Wow. So and I mean and and luckily like the group that we had was a bunch of really strong riders. But at one point I I literally gave up trying to follow wheels and just pulled out in front of everybody and said I got to go this alone and just. Uh, just look ahead. Wow. Just so I know where I'm going. And yes, I realize I could very well make a wrong turn, you yeah. know, and end up in Spain or somewhere. <laughs> but I'm like, you know what? I will take that risk just so that I, know, can see. I don't lose it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and you know what? That was seriously, that was probably only like 40 miles, but it turned into an epic ride.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And how much wine had you, quote unquote, sampled before that?
1: I don't know. <laughs> it was it was free.
0: <laughs> so so you talked a little bit about about the course makeup. You know, what what kinds of courses do you like to to do when you do these longer rides, you know, centuries or, you know, some of the larger charity rides that you've done?
1: Well, I mean, it's got to be interesting. I mean, you know, lately, I mean, gravel riding is super hot. You know, in fact, I call it the punk rock of, of bike racing. Yeah. I mean, just because you can do it anywhere. Right. And it doesn't cost a lot. And you can take it as seriously as you want to, Mm -hmm. you know, you want to stop and have a beer at mile 80, have a beer at mile 80. You want to do a whiskey shot at mile 90, go for it. (laughs) Um, So that's, what's nice is that it's as serious as you want to make it, but it's also pretty challenging. Mm -hmm. And then um, something that I've really noticed is that uh, the gravel routes in Northern Minnesota are much harder. Really? Than they are in Southern Minnesota. What Um, makes that the case? Um, they're rockier. There's more, they're rootier. Hmm. They tend, they will throw you out uh, in a forest and make you do like three or four miles on single track and then bring you back to gravel. Wow. Yeah. So I'm talking specifically about... Um, heck of the North. Yeah. Heck of the North. Um, and then of course the, the other ride that they, the Grand du Nord that they right. do on Memorial Day. Um, those are really tough routes. Yeah. Um, and especially if it's been raining at all, like mm. beforehand. You know, and that's a lot different than, say, doing uh, Almanzo or, you know, any of the big rides in the southern part of the state where you tend to be pretty much all on gravel roads. Mm -hmm. They're super wide. And the only thing you got to worry about is when was the last time they pee graveled this place? Right. Because that's that's where you're going to lose it. And I've had people lose it right in front of me. I bet. Um, But I've never crashed there. Um, Nice. Yeah. I've only I've only crashed up north. But but of course, in only a spectacular way. So (laughs) well, um, now
0: you got to tell the story.
1: Oh well, okay. So <laughs> Heck of the North actually last year was probably the worst crash I've ever had um in a race. Yeah, worst crash I've ever had in a race. Um so we were coming in and it's basically downhill, basically kind of a jeep road, not mm-hmm. even a gravel road. It yeah. was supposedly better than a gravel road, but a jeep road. But being up north, there are lots of like pretty big boulders wow uh in the middle of the road. And so it was a two track and a woman was in front of me and I was kind of coming around her and I think I hit one of the boulders like in the middle between yeah. the two tracks. And I lost it, went over the front bars. Oh, geez. And I'm not sure if <laughs> I'm not sure if my front wheel folded when I hit the rock or oh, when I landed. No. But yeah, the front wheel just tacoed. Wow. And I nearly fell on top of this woman's rear disc brake, oh, which man. would have been really disastrous. Yeah. yeah as, it is, as it was, I just kind of split my knee open and, and that was about it. Wow. But um, yeah, no, when I got back up, uh, I realized that I had no front wheel. Yeah. And I literally had to do, you hear stories about this, but you don't <laughs> believe it until you actually have to do it, where I literally had to take the front wheel and smash it against a tree yep. to get it straight enough wow. so that it would at least roll. Wow. Because otherwise I was going to be carrying my bike all I the way back. I was just going to ask you how you made it back. Yeah, well, I made it back on foot, but at least I was able to roll the bike Yeah, uh, as opposed to having to carry it. Wow. Yeah.
0: Crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, most of those rides are unsupported. I assume that that ride is unsupported as well.
1: Completely unsupported. And, and what's funny is that, you know, because being a gravel route, I mean, people can use the trails, you know, at will. Sure. So actually, I had two or three ATVs going the other way on me. Oh, God. Yikes. <laughs> With people out doing stuff. I don't know if they were hunting or whatever, yeah. but yeah. And nobody offered to pick me up. So. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. And that's the other cool part is, you know, gravel routes, you know, you can get on and, and you got to be prepared for anything. I yeah. Mean, a few years ago at Almanzo, I was riding back and forth with this guy for a while. And eventually we came up on an Amish buggy, horse and buggy, yep. literally. <laughs> and we're looking at each other like, I don't know what to do. Like, are we allowed to pass? What are the rules yeah. of the road here? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, does he have to pull over? <laughs> What's horse for on your left? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So we, yeah, we finally just agreed. Just go as wide left as you can and and, wow. and go around him. But
0: that's great. He didn't <laughs> offer you any pie or anything like that? Nope. No, no
1: we did offer to make <laughs> us a rocking chair, but yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's awesome. So you, you've done Almanzo now how many times? Uh, four times. Four times? Yep. And is it, the course is generally the same every year, isn't it? Pretty
1: close. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think so. I mean, I might, my, I always do it on GPS. I don't really compare the two, but I'm yeah. pretty sure it's always the same.
0: And, and, but I got to believe that weather has a big impact.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I didn't finish, uh, what, 2017 because the weather was so bad. 40 really? degrees, driving rain. Wow. Horrible winds. Yeah. I mean, that was one of those cases at mile 40 when I'm literally asking myself, why did I, why am I here?
0: <laughs> what I is, mean, what's even wrong with me?
1: I mean, you know, whatever, 2000 people sign up 300 people showed up. Wow. And a hundred and something people finished. Wow. So I consider myself one of the top <laughs> tiers. In it. Yeah. Right. You know what? At least I went down. Yeah. You know, at least I went down. At least I started. Yeah. At least I made it to the first checkpoint yep. before I bailed.
0: DNF uh, is way better than DNS.
1: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's my story. I'm sticking. To. <laughs> that's right. Yeah.
0: So, uh, what are some of the other group rides that you've done around Minnesota? I mean, obviously you've done, uh, you've done Tour de Taca cause we did it together the one year. Oh yeah. Uh, right. What else, uh, what else have you done?
1: Uh, you know, I think I've done all of them at oh, some yeah. point. I mean, they're pretty close. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I mean, when I first moved to town, I moved to town back in 99 and that was honestly like riding a bike was the way for me to meet people. Yeah. So yeah, I started riding, I did the, the St. Paul Classic. I did a lot of the TCBC rides. Mm-hmm. Um, I started riding with a group out of REI. I don't think they do group rides anymore, but I mean, that's basically like, the, you're. it's it's great because if you have a bike, you almost immediately have like a social circle right? and that you have people that you know you're going to meet up at a certain time Mm -hmm. at a certain place you know what you're going to do you know there's going to be a stop somewhere so you get to know people and obviously you know at a certain point the ride becomes less of it and it's more of you know being able to chat while you're in the saddle
0: right what, uh, what races do a particularly good job of putting on that ancillary stuff, you know, the the rest stops and the party afterwards, that kind of thing.
1: You mean the events type yeah. of Yeah. Well, I mean, like you said, the Tour de Tonka, I think, is probably the best-run event in the, in the state. Yeah. As far as I know. I mean, I've, I've, I've heard good things about others, but, um, you know, the fact they have so many places where you can get support. Mm-hmm. They have so many food stops. I mean, they even have bands along the route. Yeah. Um, I think it's a great entry point mm-hmm. um, for folks who want to get in. To doing like a group event ride, yeah. I mean, honestly, uh, it's a little spendy. I I will say that, but I think it's I think it's worth it. Um,
0: it's nice that they have, uh, multiple distances for, you know, f- there's family rides and there's, yeah. you know, shorter rides. And I think that it's nice that they have that.
1: Right. I, and, you know, I think obviously the Ironman has probably been around the longest. Yep. Um, I haven't done that for quite a few years, but, um, and that route, of course, also changes every once in a while. But, um, yeah, that's another one. That's probably everybody's entry level into getting into group riding. Yep. Um, cause I think one of the things that people sort of take for granted, um, is that it's, you know, riding in a group, riding with other people. Otherwise, you're basically riding alone. Mm-hmm. In which case, why did you just pay 40 or 50 bucks? Right. You know, to show up to a place and, and ride with everybody. Yep. So you either are going to ride with a group or you're better off riding on your own. Yeah. Um, the one thing I will say about Tortotanka that I like is that it's a mass start. Mm-hmm. So people sort of get that introduction to mass start yep.
0: cycling. Clipping in, getting out of the gate. and Well, and, yep.
1: and just being around people and you don't know what they're going to do. Right. Um, honestly, like, like The first mile or so of every group ride is probably the most dangerous, right? Yeah, as you're trying to figure out where everybody's going to go,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, you've done some multi day uh rides. You did the uh, did you not do the red ribbon ride at one point?
1: I did the red ribbon ride, yeah, yep. back in the day. Yep. And
0: you have you done MS 150 before?
1: I have not done the MS 150.
0: So as you think back to Red Ribbon mm-hmm. Ride or you've done Ragbright, you Ooh, know yeah, what's what's the difference between a, like a one day ride like the Tour de Tanka and a multi day ride like you know the Red Ribbon Ride.
1: Um, well, I think the biggest thing is that you have to be prepared for the fact that you're going to get tired. Yeah. Um, cause by the third or fourth day, um, you're starting to feel it. Mm-hmm. So, and it's the kind of like riding with all these new people and seeing new things, I think at that point kind of loses its luster. Yeah, I suppose. So that's when you're like, okay, you gotta, you gotta start digging in yep. and, you know, and honestly, you know, when you're out on your bike for a week, You know, you can have a lot of weather happenings going on over the course of that week that you got to be prepared for. Yeah. So um, you really got to plan ahead. Okay, what am I going to take down? Mm -hmm. You know, how many jerseys am I going to go through? Do I really need a jacket? All that stuff. Yeah. Um, But I mean, you know, I've done RAGBRAI four times uh, as well. And yeah, that's always the biggest challenge is, is how to pack. Yeah. It's not the ride. It's how to pack.
0: Yeah yeah and on a Ragbri, unless you've got a group that you're with that has a sagwag and you're carrying your stuff pretty much right
1: yeah well, I mean so at ragbri they have uh, semis that will oh, ca- they do. That okay. will carry your stuff ahead if, right. you're, if you're camping and stuff yep. yeah they'll they'll do that for you. I think that's part of like the entry fee okay but you still have to go get it and you still have to you still have to think ahead enough to know, okay, what am I gonna need today yeah as opposed to what am I gonna need later in the week right um and so paying. Really, really, a uh, lot of attention to the forecast. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember the one of the first centuries I did actually was at Ragbrai, and it rained all day. Wow! You know, and I was still sort of new enough that like I'm wearing like all cotton socks. Oh, yeah, and just, and just oh. miserable. And yeah, and I'm like, uh, this is dumb. I'm never doing this again. And like, <laughs> well, and then I realized, okay, once I smarten up and know and, yeah. and know what what to wear, it's going to be a lot more fun.
0: Yeah. So, uh, have you ever stayed in a hotel or anything like that along one of those rides or have you always camped?
1: Uh, both. Okay. I've done both. Um, I'm old enough now that the camping has <laughs> lost its luster. <laughs> um, you know, if nothing else, just cause you got to get up early and yep. you got to put your gear away every yep. day, you know, as opposed to just getting up and throwing your kid on and getting on your bike and going. Yeah. Um, because that's the other thing, too, is, like, on those group rides, uh, you kind of have to know, like, what group you fit in mm-hmm. and sort of realize, okay, like, the serious guys, serious women are going to leave, like, 7 in the morning. Mm-hmm. So if that's who I'm going to ride with, yep. i got to plan ahead and make sure, like, all my gear's in order and yep. and everything's on the truck so that I can be on the bike at 7. Yep. You know, if you are going to go for a more leisurely ride, then fine, sleep in and, you know, yeah. leave at 9. right but you're going to get a vastly different experience based on that nine o'clock group you mm-hmm. know, versus the seven o'clock.
0: Group. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you've done obviously multiple different courses for RAGBRAI. Uh, which one was your favorite?
1: Oh, jeez, I can't keep them straight. <laughs> <laughs> um, Do you
0: remember which, which year in particular felt really good?
1: Yeah. Well, uh, 2000, I remember 2000 was the epic one. So um, in that, Something happened. I didn't do the ride that year, but something happened, I think, on the 99 uh, RAGBRAI, where a whole city like basically got arrested. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> it, it the city... Uh, by the way, thank you, city of Marnie, Iowa. Um, so literally, so on the 2000 route, um, they had state patrol on the route directing us away from this little town of Marnie, Iowa... <laughs> And those of us that weren't on the ride the year before didn't understand why, but they're all, the state patrols going like, nope, go that way. Nope. Go that way. (laughs) Even Ah. though the road sign says Marnie dead ahead.
0: Oh my God.
1: And then I don't know why, but I think it must've been with somebody that was on the ride the year before who said, no, we're going to Marnie. We're going to Marnie. Uh So, and so we went to Marnie, Iowa and the whole town essentially had turned into spring break for 40 year olds. Oh my God. And all the bars had gotten together and laid... I'm not kidding you. Like half an acre of garbage bags on this hill. It's a giant slip and slide. Exactly. Ah. And then turned over all the old kegs that they had sitting around, so that thing was slick as ice. Oh and man. And then, and then after that, the clothes came off. Oh and, my god. And it, 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 that party was so good. I was not allowed to keep the pictures. Let me put wow. It that. Wow. Let me put it that way. Wow. That's <laughs> right. insane. Right. And uh, Ah. one of my friends who I was on the ride (laughs) with somehow he ended up with green hair. (laughs) Uh, Wow. (laughs) I followed him to the next town after that, and he told me, I don't even remember riding away from that place. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, you know, Rag has
0: that reputation of just being a rolling party, basically.
1: Yeah, at least it certainly did. So the last time I did it uh, was actually with our mutual friend Chuck Roadhouse, and it it seemed like it's gotten pretty tame. Really? Like, it was more, it seemed to me like more of like an MS-150 type of Mm -hmm. Type of group like it wasn't as crazy as it used to be. Yeah, because yeah, when I first started doing it, um, but my uncle sort of introduced me to it. It was definitely a write as hard as you can all day, drink as hard as you can all night. Yeah, you know. And now it's more of a eh, make it to the next town, have a beer, make it to the next town, have a beer type thing. Yeah,
0: interesting. Yeah, I've had some other friends who've done it, and they they, this group had a bus and they had a dedicated driver that Mm -hmm. followed them in the bus, and their goal every year was to Equal the amount of money they spent on booze to the amount of money they'd spent on their
1: bikes. <laughs> wow, <laughs> was, they were very well, serious. But that's that's a goal. <laughs> that's already goal. You know, and the other thing too, and I hate to say it is like, it kind of got corporatized a little bit. I mean, because it used to be just sort of like all the bars would have like their own party and and invite everybody in and pack the place. And then the beer company started coming in. Sure. So then like Bud Light would set up a huge tent, you know, right right on the outskirts of town. Right. There'd be the Coors Light tent. Yeah. You know, about 50 yards down the road, you know. And, um, so that's why I say it sort of turned into spring break, um, in that, uh, you know, because they had djs and stuff wow it's clearly they'd been discovered it had been discovered Mm -hmm. and then i didn't do it those years but you know then lance started showing up right and i'm sure it was just a zoo after that
0: yeah i can only imagine how many
1: people do that ride every year like ten thousand. wow they cut registration off at ten thousand, and there's there's a lot of illegal riders really you know which is fine yeah um because the those roads are all closed off
0: that's great yeah they
1: have state patrol all along that yeah, nice. so I mean, I recommend to everybody. I think everybody should do Rag Bright once. Yeah, you know, just I mean, even like a couple of days, just to experience it yep. and experience because the people of Iowa are just insanely nice. That's great. And invite you in, and there's there's literally like food all the way across the state of Iowa. Wow, for you to pick up um, the whole microbrew industry in Iowa has really picked up. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think a bunch of those guys were competitors, but they get together and they get a semi. Wow, with taps from each brewery wow. along the side of the semi. That's Yeah, great. and they're pouring straight out of there, yeah. like at various rest stops. Wow. And they get employees say, oh, well, if you like that one from this guy, try this one over here. That's you great. Know? Yeah. 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 So in some sense, it has grown up in good ways. In other yeah. sense, maybe grown up in not so good ways. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, obviously beer is food, but, you know, <laughs> nutrition has got to be a pretty- That's what you tell yourself. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> right. It's got to be a pretty critical element to any uh, training and nutrition has got to be a pretty critical element to any good ride prep.
1: Yeah. And, you know, on those multi-day rides, it's, I, I find it's really hard not to gain weight. Yeah. Because your body is just telling you eat, 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 refuel, yep. refuel, recover. Yep. And you're And literally you're drinking so much- you're drinking anything Yeah. that, I mean, you just, you, it's hard to feel full. So you don't realize how, how many calories right. you're yeah. taking in, uh, at, after your
0: 18th Gatorade and
1: esp- especially, yeah. yeah. And especially at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I always have a hard time, like not walking away with like four or five pounds. Wow. Afterwards. Yeah. That's really yeah.
0: counterintuitive.
1: I know because yeah. all you're doing is riding all day, but your brain is just telling you keep eating, keep eating, keep eating yeah. in order to keep going.
0: Yep. So how do you prepare yourself uh, physically for something like that? I mean, what kind of training do you do in advance of a RAGBRAI?
1: Well, I mean, I think RAGBRA is kind of different, but, um, but like I'd say any sort of like multi-day event, I mean, you got to plan. I think the recovery is the hardest part. Yeah. So once you get to the point where, okay, you know, you can do the distance once, you Mm -hmm. know, let's say every day, like I think red ribbon ride was like 72 miles a day. Mm -hmm. So you get to the point where you can do that. And then you have to train yourself to the point where, okay, I can do that. T- Monday, I can do right. it Tuesday. I can do it Wednesday. And i that's what I think the hardest part is. And I mm-hmm. think anybody can get through the first couple of days okay. Yeah. Um, but I, for me anyway, its it was always that third day when it really starts to hit me and the legs are feeling slow and I'm feeling heavy. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm like, gosh, I don't know if I want to do this. But the nice part about it is like you get like 20 or 30 miles down the road and your brain kicks in and said, yeah. okay, we're doing this again. Fine.
0: And you start to work the kinks out of your legs. And, and you're good. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's got to be a very challenging thing to get over mentally just to get past that. No way.
1: <laughs> right. I mean, honestly, I was just up mountain biking in Cuyuna for the past three days. And yeah, the third day, I, my my legs were saying, OK, we're doing this again. Yeah. And it took me a couple of runs in order to get past the whole sort of sluggish feeling and, and basically sort of like wake up. Yeah. Like on the first... Uh, uh, easy trail that I did. I actually hit a pedal on a route, uh, just as I was going out and going, okay, (laughs) that's a wake up call. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I didn't fall or anything, but like it told me that, okay, I gotta, I gotta perk up.
0: Get your focus. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what, uh, what parts of the trail did you do this time?
1: I did all of it pretty much. Everything that wasn't under construction, I did. Um, there, a lot of it is so, uh, Cuyuna, if you're not familiar with it is so, um, there, there are trails that used to be. It's an old mine, abandoned yep. mine, that the state gave away, and now be, through the the hard work of a lot of volunteers have been developed. I think it's now forty miles. Yeah. Into these amazing trails that they keep expanding, and they got more money from the state last year to expand on that. Uh, right out of uh, Crosby Ironton, mm-hmm. Minnesota. Um, so anyway, the the new section I can tell you about is great. Yeah. So. Party issue in the past has been that some of the trails up there go both ways. They Rice. go in and out. Yep. Which I have been hit before, actually yeah. on my way out with somebody coming in. Yep. Um and especially for someone who's not used to, to mountain biking, that can be a little bit scary. Yeah. You don't know what to do. Yep. You don't know where people are going. So I think they've pretty much gotten rid of that. I think that's there's great. only one trail and that's one that goes into town. Mm-hmm. That's still two way. I think everything else is now one way. That's great. So they move the start out of the main Cayuna parking lot. Hmm. Um, I think it's the, they call it the Portsmouth section. Yep. Um, so you don't go, you know, up that big hill and yeah. start and get on easy street anymore now you ride out to the paved trail that's out there yeah and that's where easy Street starts interesting and that loops you all the way around and it takes you to um, what they call boot camp which, yep. which is this very short eh, sort of technical trail mm-hmm. and then and then that brings you to uh, basically the center of that side of the park and that's where all the hilly sections start yeah um, but that makes a lot more sense the only thing I didn't like about it is it really felt that like some of the trails were built Built to go the other way. Right. So, you know, for people who are really into mountain biking, you know, we really value flow. Yep. Because um, you can tell, OK, someone made this trail for you to go fast going this way. Mm-hmm. And it kind of feels like the trail maybe has gotten away from it a little yeah. bit. But at the same time, I will trade that for not having to worry about anybody coming at me head on.
0: Yeah. Well, and for new people up there, too, it's got to be much easier to just start on easy street. And not have to climb that ridiculous straight up, you know, fire road to get there.
1: Yeah, well, the fire road or that one section, if you remember that yep. one narrow trail along yeah. the side of the cliff. Yeah. Yeah. So now you take Easy Street out and it's pretty flat and then you go up to the end, you go to do boot camp. And if you want to just stay on Easy Street and, cam- and come right back... Um, then that section that's on the hillside, mm-hmm. um, that is straight downhill one way. Nice. So you're flying on I the bet. way back, yeah, which is pretty fun.
0: That is fun. Especially for, I mean, so, you know, thinking about people who aren't as experienced up there, but having the ability to go up through easy street, get a little bit of technical stuff around Boot Camp, and then come down that, that flyer. That's a, that's a nice ride. And, and isn't easy street like 10 miles all by itself?
1: Um, probably it's, a, it's long. Maybe a little shorter than that. Yeah, it's
0: long though. I mean, relatively. Yeah, it's a nice, uh, it's a nice warm up for sure.
1: Yeah, it's it is a great warm up, and that's exactly what I was using that for. Yeah, um, nice. Yeah, and then so and but you don't have to come all the way back to the lot if you want to. You can get off and mm-hmm. um, there's actually there's a brand new huge downhill segment that they're building right now. Uh, Crusher, unfortunately, I think was under construction when I was there. Mm. Um, one of the big climbs that I did, uh, I can't remember the name of it now. I get all those trail names confused. Um, but that section that leads to this awesome downhill section that, that brings you back, uh, um, that was under construction when I was there. Mm-hmm. So, um, but there's still plenty of trails out there. It's going to be awesome. Um, they've got a new section that's on the other side of that, that's actually farther away from Crosby, Hmm. um, closer to Brainerd, if you're coming in that way. Um, And of course, uh, so I did the Yawkey unit, of course. Um, that section is pretty much the same. Yep. Bob sled is still just riot fun. <laughs> I mean, you're flying so fast on the way back down from that's that. That's great. Yeah, that's my favorite trail. That is a
0: fun trail for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, when do, you, do they do they tell you when the new sections are all going to be open? Do you have a sense of when that might be? Mm-mm. Hmm.
1: No, but they were definitely clearing. They, I mean, I literally saw people on clearing machines out there when that's I was great. there.
0: Yeah, that's great. So it's gonna be, it's gonna be soon.
1: Yeah. Well, they've got a big event coming up. Uh, I think.
0: Um, At Armageddon, October,
1: Yeah, I think, and that's the first weekend in October. Mm-hmm. So I would assume it'd be done by then.
0: Yeah. So what did you ride up there?
1: I took my dually. I took my salsa. I got a spearfish, mm-hmm. um, which I like. It's a little bit faster, and especially for like some of the. Um, uh, not really washboard sections, but the Rocky sections, that yeah. sort of feel washboardy. Um, you can still maintain quite a bit of speed. Nice. Re- your rear wheel still stays on the trail. Nice. Um, but honestly, like I, I missed my fatty going up yeah. there. Um, cause you know, the nice part about riding a fatty up there is that it's, it's, mu- there's much more room for error. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, and like on the Yaki side, actually, I think it was Tugger, um, which used to be kind of an easy trail. Now it's washed out a little bit mm. as you start to climb up, uh, that mountain. And that was a little bit hairy on just two inch tires. Yeah. It would have been nice to have the four inch tires,
0: mm-hmm. uh, just you get so you more could grip and
1: well, I would have ridden a little bit up the hill and then oh, back down sure. so that I yeah. wasn't on the part that was uh, so loose. Right. Um, so I could have gone a little bit faster through that area. Yeah. Um, but you know whatever you take up there, I mean it's funny you go up there and you see every kind of bike. Yeah, you know, and uh, seriously, there were six year old kids up there. That's great. Yeah, i mean, in fact. That's um, great. The uh, high school mountain biking league actually had they a were few had their summer up camp there. up there. Yeah, yeah, they did, and and the tiny little kids. That's great up there. Yeah, just shredding the trails. That's just, great. Yeah, That's It was fun. really fun to watch.
0: You know, and the other amazing things that uh, I've seen. Uh, obviously, it's it was part of the whole plan, but the the growth in the city of Crosby. And all the new stuff that's going on in there. What, did you see any new uh, restaurants or uh, places like that?
1: Um, new restaurants, I don't think so. I mean, uh, Iron Range Eateries, I think, is pretty well established by now. The the brew pub up there, Cayenne Brewing, mm-hmm. doing good business. Uh, Red Raven, I think, is uh, up and running, like really nice. up and running now. That's great. Yeah, I'm sure I'm leaving stuff out, but um, no. But it really seems like um, like the whole mountain biking. Uh, tourism side has really taken hold. Everybody seems to be accepting of, okay, all these bikes are in town. Um, as opposed to like how it was a few years ago, like, what are these people doing here?
0: Yeah. Who are you crazy people? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. What's with your baggy
0: shorts? (laughs) (laughs) What, uh, where did you stay while you're up there?
1: Uh, so I actually stayed over in Baxter. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it's, it was actually pretty full when I was there. So really, yeah, it was actually kind of hard to find a, a place to stay. Wow. Um, and that was even during the week. No kidding. So, yeah, like uh, True North Base Camp, I know, I think is pretty full on the weekends. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it didn't make sense really to stay there just by myself. So, no, I stayed over in Baxter. I mean, because honestly, it's only 14 miles from Brainerd right. to yep. Crosby. Yep. So there's plenty of places to stay over there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That place really is well-situated to become like the Vale of mountain biking. That's really know, cool. For Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, it's on a lot of top 10 lists.
0: That's great. In the
1: country for trails.
0: I've seen a number of those, those mentions. Yeah. It's really a fun, uh, a fun area too. I mean, the people, like you said, seem to have really embraced it now. And, you know, so it's just got a really Mm -hmm. good, a good vibe up there.
1: Yeah. In fact, uh, I can't tell you one of the new things is on your way into town, doesn't matter which way you come into town, they have these huge murals now Hmm. on the sides of buildings that are mountain bike themed no kidding yeah that's so great it's clear that they've said okay this is it This yeah. is what we're going to be known for yeah so let's we're just, embrace it exactly
0: that's really cool yeah nice well you know talking about destinations you, we touched on a little earlier but i want to know a little bit about your experience riding in uh the tour de france stages
1: <laughs> um okay well it's been a while since i've done that um but, yeah, I, that's another thing, too. I mean, it should be on everybody's bucket list. You know, riding in France is just riding in another world. Um, motorists, I mean, the roads are very narrow, true, but the motorists are so respectful. And obviously you're riding when, you know, there's literally millions of other cyclists there with you. And I think until you, like, truly ride, like, some of the roads that that are on the tour stages, I don't think you really appreciate, you know, just how difficult they are or or just what it takes um so one of the first uh routes that we did was Alp Duez. Mm-hmm. Um and we actually we didn't start uh actually at the bottom, we started actually up at the top huh. and then rode around and came down the highway towards town. Is it Brian Song? I can't remember. Um, but anyway, and then took that uh, the hard right turn that leads you to starting up the Alp. Wow. Um yeah, and then, um, so from that turn off the highway, starting to go up the mountain, and then towards the very top where the finish line was marked, because we rode it the, the day before the, the tour stage,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I, my time was, uh, I think, an hour, eight minutes. Wow. Um, but that's from starting from the road. I'm right. not really sure wh- where they start actually timing the okay. racers when they do yeah. it, um, but... Actually, one thing I remember thinking was, you know, this is not that hard hmm. because it's, I mean, they call it, you know, 17 switchbacks, yeah. but essentially it's 10 miles. Right. So, um, it's, I mean, yeah, it's hard, but it's not like phenomenally hard and you know it's going to be over soon. Yeah. So you, I could have actually, I felt like I actually could have pushed it harder than I did, but hmm. I not knowing, yeah. you know, I was trying to keep something in, in reserve. Sure. Um, now... Flip side of that, though, was Mont Ventoux, which, I mean, you're talking seven, eight percent, nine percent grade. <laughs> yeah. The whole way. Wow. For three or four hours. Oh. And that that is one of the hardest days I've ever had. On That's soul crushing. Yeah, absolutely. And then when you finally get so there's a, um, a ski area there, um, like it's like kind of like halfway up. Yeah, <laughs> Jeez. Um, And you get to it and uh, you're like, oh, thank God, you know, there's, you know, a place to stop and get right. water, or whatever. But then you look straight up and you still got half a mountain to climb. <laughs> wow. And when I did it once again, um, actually, that was an off year. They weren't doing Vontu that year, but um, it was 95 degrees at the bottom and it was 35 degrees at the top.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I was
1: freezing when I got to the top. I believe it. Yeah. and And, In fact, I was so cold, I uh, was like, I don't know how I'm going to get down. Wow. You didn't (laughs) do
0: the the classic put the newspaper in your
1: jersey? I bought a t-shirt at the gift shop (laughs) 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 and put that over my jersey, so I I stayed warm on the way down. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. But that was epic, and everybody should do it. It's just amazing. And and yes, if you can do it with some people who ride about the same speed you are, so Mm -hmm. much better. How many people were in the group that you were with? I want to think it was maybe 15 or so.
0: Wow. Yeah. Nice. But
1: the problem is, is that we're, I think we were all like different speeds. So. Oh yeah. So it was, it's kind of tough to, to, if that's why I say if you can couple up with someone mm-hmm. so much the better.
0: Yeah. So yeah. you didn't really have people that you could work with climbing the mountains much.
1: Well, so you do, but it's not anybody you know. Right. And, you know, and this is where I kind of go back to, it's really, really helpful if you speak the language of being able to group ride. Yep. Because it doesn't matter where you are, if you can find someone, even if you don't speak the same language, if you all know what to do. Yeah. You have a huge advantage. Sure. Sure. So actually coming down the mountains, uh coming down the Alp at Alp d'Huez, uh into town, I actually did connect with a bunch of guys, and I think none of us spoke the same language, but we were all riding the same paceline, we we're all taking turns on the front. That's great. And it worked super well. And I mean, I think that's what actually helped make that like a great day.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So how many stages did you do? How many days did you do on that ride?
1: Um, I think we did four or five. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. great. And yeah. were all of them in the mountains? Uh, well, no, we were in Provence, like I said, for, yeah. for a while. And then, yeah, we were in the Alps for quite a while. And then, um, um, we did the stage from, was it Lyon to Marseille, um, down to the coast. Yeah. yeah. So that
0: was nice and flat.
1: Yeah. yeah. And flat. Yeah. But super hot.
0: Oh, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. I bet. So, yep. uh, where did you stay? When you were on those on those days, did you did they have hotels, I assume, set up for you?
1: Yeah. So the group I was with had connections with various B&Bs okay. uh, throughout France. So like we stayed at one B&B in the Alps and mm-hmm. we moved to another one in, in Provence. Um, and I think there was another one, um, you know, toward more the Spanish side. Nice. Uh, yeah. That's great. Uh, yeah. So it, it was nice that they seemed to have, like, they all knew each other and mm-hmm. they seemed to have like, okay, your group can stay at my place, my group can stay at your place and nice. we switch off kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And did you stay and watch the tour stages afterwards? Then? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So that was nice too, is that like the off day, like your recovery day, mm-hmm. that's when the tour came in. So for example, so we rode Alpe like I can't remember, maybe it was like on a Friday or something. And then that Saturday... Because we were staying on the Alp, um, the van took us like part of the way, and then we hiked around the mountain Hmm. through this forest area, and we came out at like switchback number seven or something, turn number seven on the way up, and that's where we all hung out for the day and watched the riders go up. Nice. And then I think they just told everyone, you know, meet back here at five or whatever, Um, but you could go wherever you wanted to. You can go see the finish Mm -hmm. if you want to do that, just come back a, a certain time. That's great. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think if you go back and watch the 2003 tour, um, there's an idiot in blue plaid shorts running next to Lance Armstrong <laughs> with a video camera. Uh, that'd be me. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you were, you were
0: documenting this yeah. series for your I, I, uh, employer at the time, right?
1: That, right. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And, and in fact, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I got so close to Lance. Uh, like I was like literally like looking at the beads of sweat on the back of his neck. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Which is amazing to me that like never said anything. No kidding. Yeah. uh, They're just kind of used to it. Yeah,
0: I suppose. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. They've got guys putting flares off in their face now and it's kind of crazy to see what's going on in the tour these days.
1: Yeah. You know, I've kind of lost track.
0: It's uh, yeah. There's just so much. I mean, Team Sky is getting, you know, sort of booed all the time and. So it, but it just seems like the fans are getting more and more aggressive all the time.
1: Well, and you know, I mean, with good reason, I mean, I, I feel that frustration too, and that the tour is not the same anymore. I yeah. mean, and it's not just Lance, it's the whole thing. It's the cover-ups by the UCI. Yep. It's, you don't know who's writing it for real and who isn't anymore, Right. which is really unfortunate for those writers that have trained so hard. This is their sport. Yeah. This is their profession. They've dedicated their lives to it, you know. When they walk off with a great win and have the ride of their lives, you know you can't trust them that right. it's, it wasn't enhanced in some way. Right. And sometimes it's chemical, sometimes mm-hmm. it's mechanical. Who yep. knows? yep. But I mean, it's really the the tour has really lost a lot of credibility in my my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people, of course, are diehard fans and don't share that. And I, and yep. I get that. Um, but, you know, I think until we see some sort of really organized cleanup of the sport of cycling, um, I think a lot of fans are going to be hesitant to come back.
0: Yeah, it's it's very true. You know, and it's 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 hard to watch. Like you said, every time you, you pick up, uh, you know, check out the results, you look at the names up there and you look at what, you know, photos of bikes that. They pick up out of the ditch and the back wheel still spinning and Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's hard to watch that stuff.
1: It really is. And, you know, you don't want to be negative. I mean, you want to believe that these guys are that good. Yeah. You know, that they've actually done that. But just the long history, uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, of doping and professional cycling has just led us all, I think, to become extremely skeptical, if not cynical, over what we're watching now.
0: Yeah, it's uh it's really disappointing. You know, you see you see so much stuff going on now, but like you said, it's been going on forever. You know, I mean, even in the earliest days of bike racing, they were using arsenic and, you know, cocaine as stimulants for these bike racers. Oh, absolutely. And it was just it was nuts to see that stuff, but, you know, it's kind of the nature of the beast when you've got big money and guys who are, you know, racers who come from nothing um who want to get paid. Right. There's going to be a lot of shenanigans.
1: Right. I mean honestly the only race that I really die hard have to watch every year now is Paris-Roubaix. Yep. I mean just because it is such an epic ride no yep. matter what happens no matter who wins. Yep. It's so difficult. You know, having ridden some of those cobbles, um it's uh, it's unfathomable how hard that
0: is. Yeah yeah i'm a, I'm a big fan of the Tour of Flanders, which is the yeah, same kind of thing. Yeah. um mostly I like Belgian you know stuff
1: Belgian anything yeah. right, exactly yeah, yeah.
0: so uh, but yeah, I mean, it's that those those hard riders who can suffer along those cobbles for two hundred kilometers or more you know, mm-hmm. this is unbelievable to me.
1: Right. And uh, I, I did catch part of the tour and actually in my hotel earlier and they were, uh, Bob roll and Kristen Vandeveld were having this debate about, Oh, there's too many cobbles on this year's tour de France stage, <laughs> you know, and Vandeveld was complaining and roll was saying, no, you need that. So it's not just the skinny guys who are, have a shot at winning. <laughs> totally. You know what? I'm, t- I'm totally on Bob Roll's side yeah. on this. Like, you know what? If there's cobbles in France, they need to be written. Absolutely. You know, it's like, I mean, that's like saying, well, let's take some of the mountains out of the tour. Right. There's too You're many right. mountains in the tour. It just
0: becomes a specialist race at that point And you don't have a pure overall winner.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I've always been sort of frustrated, but you know, the the other side of that is guys who will only ride for the tour. Or they'll gear up for one big race and don't put in the work all season long.
1: Right. Right. You know, as opposed to, I mean, guys like Greg LeMond. Greg LeMond rode Perry Roubaix. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I mean, to his credit, and I, I think he only rode it as a training ride, but he still did it. He still right. showed up. He still rode it for his team. Yep. You know, he, you know, he is still the king in my mind. Yeah. Um, Just for everything he's done, everything he's given back to cycling too.
0: Have you read that new biography? I have not. No, I'm, I'm curious. I can't remember the name of it now, uh, but it just came out recently. Uh, about greg uh, and it's supposed to be really really a good uh good book so yeah we'll figure out what that is and we'll uh, put that up on our social media so that everybody can
1: yeah, chase that idea. down
0: yeah yeah but yeah it's supposed to be a really a really good book so would you do the tour stages again would you go back and do something like that again
1: oh absolutely yeah there's there i mean obviously france is so big and you know we didn't get to the bordeaux region we didn't get to um uh uh, really the Northern part of France. Cause I think that year the, the tour was mostly in the South. I mean, it kind of went in the Champagne region a little bit, mm-hmm. but the, that's about it. Um, so yeah, no, I definitely want to see those parts of France. I didn't get to see before. Um, and, um, like the Spanish side, mm-hmm. I never got to go to, to, uh, um, see riders actually Spanish riders like actually ride yeah. in Spain which yep. I've heard is like a totally different thing. Yeah, I bet. Um, you know, whenever the the tour crosses borders like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. How did you get your bike over there or did you ride one of theirs? So
1: <laughs> Okay, so um, I'm not sure why I did this, but um, I didn't want to take a super nice bike when mm-hmm. I went to France cuz I didn't know what was going to happen. Yep. And I didn't want to pay to, to haul or go through the effort of hauling a huge uh, bike ba- uh, bag or yeah. bike box, you know, especially on an um, you know, overseas flight. flight. Right? Yeah. Yep. So here's what I did. I took uh, my Trek commuter bike and I took the whole thing apart. Oh, my God. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I literally, I took the whole thing apart. And I put it in the bottom of a rollaway duffel bag. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez. And and I bagged up like all the parts so it wouldn't get my clothes (laughs) dirty and everything. Wow. And then when I got to France, I found a shop that would rent me a set of wheels because I couldn't get the wheels in the bag. Yeah, yeah. So, and then after three weeks in France, when I was done, I took the whole bike apart, put all the parts back in bags and shoved everything in the bottom of the duffel bag. And so I only had one bag, essentially, that I had to wheel, like, in in airports and stuff. Yeah. Which was really funny because, like, I got to uh, security at Charles de Gaulle. Mm -hmm. And they're like, there's something with this bag and they're not really sure what it is. And sure enough, they open up the bag and the uh, female security person goes velo <laughs> i say we vello. which when i think about it now having like really long aluminum tubes like at the bottom of a <laughs> oh, bag geez. with small bag yeah. items of mechanical right. parts mm-hmm. <laughs> was probably not the smartest thing to do yeah <laughs> you know especially wow. in you know the, yeah. the post-terrorism Post- yeah era, right era. oh my gosh um <laughs> But that was my supposedly genius way of getting around, like right. all the extra fees and stuff. Wow! So uh, it worked out. Yeah. I wouldn't do that again. Yeah. But <laughs> was it a steel bike? No, it was or an it was old aluminum, wow. old my Trek aluminum. Yeah. It was a commuter bike, nothing special. Wow! But I outfitted it with like uh, super big gears in the back. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I just found the place to rent me some wheels. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, I was trying to go as light as possible. Well,
0: yeah, that's smart. I mean, you got to, you know, plan for the ride you're going to take, right? But doing that on a commuter bike, that seems
1: challenging. Uh, Yeah, I know. And and I kind of felt stupid when I got to France, too, because everybody else was showing up with their bike boxes and pulling out their super blingy bikes and everything. And here I am on kind of a pedestrian bike. But, (laughs) you know, I didn't think it slowed me down that much.
0: Well, as long as you kept up, that's the most important thing, right? Yep. Yeah. Well, Rick, this has been a lot of fun. We've uh, we've blown through an hour already talking talking bike stuff. So, thank you for coming on the show today.
1: Absolutely, it's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's do it again sometime, and uh, we'll see everybody. We'll hear everybody next week on Blast Beats and Bicycle.
2: Bicycle, bicycle, bicycle. I want to ride my. Say black, I say white, say black, I say, say bite, say shark, I say him and George was never my scene and I don't like Star Wars uh, Say Rose, I say Royce, uh, say God Give me yeah. a choice, say Lord. I say crash I don't believe in Peter Pan, Frankenstein or Superman. <laughs> Wayne...